I want people who want to come into the system and come train in the system because it creates a much more productive culture than if we were sniping them from other coaches and, and bring them in and then they don't know, you know, you don't know how committed they are to yeah, what they're doing. Yeah, it's on the athlete to come on. Yeah. You yeah. know, you want to come live in farm country. like come, Yeah, come train with us. <laughs> you know, you could travel down Philly for a social life, maybe. Like, yeah, but that'd be about it. Dane, what's up? You've been gone forever doing like coaching things. Yes. Should we start talking about that first? Yeah, let's it dude, I was driving over here thinking like get I mean, one, I got home at like two thirty in the morning. I oh, just wow. feel like trash. But I'm also like there's such a hangover, there's such a lag from like coaching at two national championships back to back and being gone like it's like being So you gone. have lifting nationals and track yeah. and field nationals, right? Yeah. It's like being gone for that long. One, you're just totally out of, like, totally out of rhythm. And then getting into nationals for track, you're managing. You know, there was nine people that that were there. So then you're managing their times, their training, your driving to three. Let's different break places. that nine people down for track sports. Like, so it was. Two male shot putters, two female shot putters, a decathlete, a heptathlete that I was helping, uh, three discus throwers that were men. Um, I think that's everybody. Yeah, that was nine. Okay. Yeah. That's a lot, though. Like, yeah. I don't, I've never been out there to be like, how many people are you coaching out here? Yeah. And how many different events are they doing, you know, to like gauge like. Oh, and there was one, there's one under 20 discus thrower. And it just, dude, it's like. The biggest thing I learned was in the past, I've tried to do a lot of work when I'm doing it, when I'm coaching. And what I learned was, and I didn't, I didn't communicate this to the guys back here or to my wife, but I realized when I'm there, I'm like, this is my work. Like I'm working right now. I don't need to do work on top of work. Yeah. I don't need to be writing scripts or making videos or even writing training programs. Like, I'm working literally from like eight in the morning. You know, when are we going for lunch? When are we going for breakfast? What are we doing? You know, this is when this group goes to this track. This is when this group goes to that track. This is when this guy competes. And it's like, you're doing that so much that like, you know, it's one of those things where you start at eight in the morning and you're, you realize, you know, you're back in bed and it's, you're back at the house and it's 1030 at night. It's like just dude, it's 14 hour days. Yeah. You just get rung (laughs) up like bad. And I, and then on top of that, the emotions around performance, the emotions around yeah. This is a years a year of worth work. of work. Yep. On top of a lifetime. Yeah. Worth of work, right? Yeah. Like, and, then, and 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 for me too, it's like, where did I screw up? Where did I do well? What can we do moving forward? What can I do to hold them more accountable? Dude, even even down to like the nitty gritty of like, is this what I want as a is this what I want for my professional career? Do I want to keep being in this space of coaching and traveling like this and being away from the kids? Do I want to take a step back and go more in on the business side and try and, you know, clean up things that I think we're lacking here business wise. It's like, and then you have, you know, leaving Eugene, there's just, dude, there's no easy way to get home from there. So it's like, I left at, I woke up at three 30 in the morning 
Flew. You uh, put in a 23-hour shift before you got to well, sleep. Yeah. And then it's like <laughs> I had an hour and a half delay in Eugene, which didn't matter because I had a, a long layover. But then during my layovers when I tried to catch up on all the work work. Yeah, is that when you sent me like, a, like oh, I did yeah, this? So yeah, it was like, exactly. We're good, man. <laughs> so then I'm going through that. And then I have another freaking hour and a half delay to get back into Harrisburg. Then we land into Harrisburg. And then the like luggage compartment blew up and we waited an hour and a half to get uh. our, our baggage. The worst. Yeah. It's like, here's the finish line. And then I open up my luggage and my blueberries exploded everywhere. Uh, <laughs> well, it's either. Then I'm like, why do I pack blueberries again? Yeah. Sam had even yelled at me because when I flew there, I had packed yogurt. And he was like, why would you pack yogurt? In yeah, what travel? are you doing? Like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, I, I felt guilty. I didn't want to throw it out. Questlove, I think, I don't know. He wrote the book. I don't know if he wrote it, but like. He was responsible for it um, called Creative Quest, I think is what it's called. And it, it's a really neat book on like creativity. But he talks about, uh, I think it was like his tour manager, someone that would go on tour with him that wasn't in the band, but was like responsible for a lot of things that went on. And he said the guy would never pack anything because he knew he could get it all where he was going. Yeah, yeah, Like yeah. he could buy toothpaste. He could yeah. buy a T-shirt. He could buy it. And like he had the means to do that too. Like it's different if you don't yeah but he was like hey i don't need toothpaste or deodorant i can just go to cvs or it whatever up. it is and grab it right quick. like yeah and i actually do do that a lot that has stuck with me especially with like you're talking like food i'm sure you probably have certain blueberries you get from some like farmer's market yeah. here or something you're like i need these blueberries <laughs> but like that same idea like yeah. i can go to the grocery store and get my food like, yeah i think the other thing too is like going to eugene dude i actually figured it out like since 2016 i've been in eugene it was like 13 weeks and they just signed a contract to have nationals in eugene through i want to say it was 2030 so i i'm like i know the town so well that i know where i like exactly what you had just said like i know where i can go to get certain foods and yeah. to get certain things but it's still dude it's just like a it's such a and then the hard part is is like okay I come home I miss my kids I gotta see spend time with them this morning, but then I get home at two thirty so I'm like I gotta freaking sleep, so I only really saw Seneca, my daughter. But then on top of that, it's like Sam's messaging. You know, Sam and Eric are going to Worlds, so they're like, "Yo, what time are we training?" So then it's like, "Fuck, I gotta plan. I gotta <laughs> yeah. get to training." More about that, and then little old me hassling you, hey. Yeah, can we do a podcast? Can we do some of this stuff, too, on, like, the business end of things? I think it's also, like, it does help me get back into the rhythm because when we film YouTube videos, I get so out of rhythm with them that it, it'll, help, it'll help me transition. But it's also, like, I spend so much time, like, on the travel part really thinking through, like, I, you know, Caitlin, this is, this is a little bit off task, but, you know, Sam and, and Alex are both throwing in the London Diamond League. And I had messaged Caitlin. I was like, yo, do you want to go to London for a weekend? And I was thinking me and Caitlin, my wife, would go to London and I would coach Sam and Alex. It's easy to coach just two people. They're in the same event. It, it'd be cake. You know, go to training for two and a half hours and I can spend the day with Caitlin in the, in the city. <clears throat> but it goes back to what do you want? Like, do you want me to go to London? I can go. We can go to London. <laughs> yeah. But we also are trying to save up the money so that we can buy the new gym. And we've also got to figure out, like, what you're doing. I'm like, God damn, dude. So much. Yeah, there's all so, the fun. Yeah. 
It is fun too. You didn't talk about lifting nationals at all. Yeah, lifting nationals was wild. Oh. It was crazy, dude. <laughs> Especially how I, many people were out there at lifting nationals, which was prior to track and field nationals, and that was in oh, Colorado, man. right? Yeah, yeah, Colorado Springs. I don't even know. I think it was it was around the same. I think it was between. Oh no, it was thirteen. It was thirteen. Okay. Um, I think you know, and this goes into the my future coaching aspect is like I'm going. Yeah, so we have Sam Weeks here, who I think I, I think I have a pretty decent plan for how I can maybe take a slight step back from the throws, but still be like the you know the elite coach for the throws. Um, but then then this happens, you know, you're going all right. We have like a new generation of youth lifters, and they're yeah. all dude. They're probably stronger and better performing. Then the first generation I had that that would be like you know Kate Ware who made multiple world everyone teams. who you had to make all the mistakes with yes Haley for other the next group to reap the benefits yeah, from uh, Jake you know that that group would be like generation don't forget one. Jordan too Jordan he, in there he, yeah he's a world team yeah. member like now I'm looking at it I'm going we, with with Junior and my niece Devin and with this kid Luke Stearns and even Lincoln and and um, Ryan McDonald and I'm going like and then with this kid Evan I'm going. Dude, we have a we have a group of young kids that are just like they're better. They're like Evan is better than Jake was at the same exact age, like to a t like better. And he's only been lifting for like eight months. And looking at what Ryan can do and and what Devin just did, like Devin just beat three girls that were on the youth world team, and she didn't just beat them; she like smacked them. And it was like, <laughs> dude, they had no idea who she was. And she just came out of the woodwork and just brought the wood and beat the shit out of them yeah and it's like all right well how do is how do i manage their development along with what i want professionally along with what i want to do with the throwing world along with what i want to do with football and those are the thoughts i have after everything calms down it's like balancing the emotional aspect along with the logistical aspect along with where where are we where are we going with the company and all that shit, man? Well, yeah. how do we do results wise? Real quick, let's wrap it up with that with the the trip out, dude. The the cool part about it was, you know, Yvonne, I, I, we had three people miss their opening lift and then go five in a row, and I, I really like that. Not that I like that they missed their opener. Yeah, but that's snatch. some mental toughness there. It's really good mental toughness, and it's very good um display of where they were with training it's like i made an error i can fix this and i can get on a roll and that was you know avon did that with with his uh under 25 national ch championship and then what did he what were his numbers like uh 32 i want to say he hit 32 and 62 i think something like that 32 and 62 just and shy of 300 then right? yeah that's a good a really solid total yeah. um and the a couple other ones it was like you know Lincoln had a couple of misses, but he had a really good time at his first meet. You know, he's 11, so he did. He really enjoyed it. But yeah, then he was it was just there to do it. Yeah. Um, Devin Devin missed her fifth lift. She had hit four in a row, missed her fifth lift, and then came back and hit her sixth to beat all those girls. So that was a clutch lift. Um, Ryan McDonald made four in a row and then missed his last cleaning jerk. He missed his opener, hit his next two. 
hit his first two in clean and jerk, missed his last one because we by that time he had won by like yeah 15 20 kilos like that's another thing these guys like want to it's it's funny being in the back i'm like come on bean pole ryan and dude as he, strong as dude, can it's be crazy <laughs> seeing him lift and like comparing him to these other lifters and it's it's also like when you're in the back these these coaches like like literally i was during his session i started to actually talk trash i was like yo jim what are you doing right now you're putting weights like i literally said this you're putting weights on the bar and you know your guy is not going to hit this and you know Ryan is going to smack him. Like I, I was saying this dude, and it's like that's when it gets fun because you're so confident in what your lifter's doing. And Ryan is actually as skinny as he looks on video yes. if you've seen him. Like, Well, that's everybody's <laughs> like, yeah, how is this kid this strong? It's like, dude, he's just he moves really he's well. he's a house. Yeah, yeah, he moves well. He's got great technique. And he's super, like, he's dialed in. Yeah, all the time. mentally thinks he can do everything and anything. Yeah, and, and he it's knows incredible it. to watch him do it. Like, yeah. That kid works hard, so hard. Like you can come down, you can watch them train, and you can see him taking mental reps watching people. Oh, you yeah. can see him going through the cues. Like Dude, I don't know was, how to explain it, but like you know, it's going on. Like he's not drifting away somewhere. He even when he's in the back, he counts. He looks. He looks at the board and he takes in everything. So I was like, like when he's helping with other athletes, I was actually using him, like teaching him how I run the board. And seeing where his mistakes were and being like, yeah, you're a little off here. You're a little off here. Look at this. And you think, oh, okay. And he, t he takes that all in. And I think this is another one is like Luke Stearns is another kid that's like sort of flown under the radar. And, and for me, even flown under the radar as, as his coach because he's been hurt. He wrestles a lot. So, so sometimes he misses quite a bit of training due to wrestling. But he was another one that goes out, misses his opening snatch. And then we go in the back and he's just got this wild scenario where there's like there's basically like nine kids who could have meddled. And so we had to take very, very specific jumps after he had a, a miss. But he was another one where it's like, you know what they you've seen them handle this in training where they might have a miss. And instead of beating themselves up, they can they can regroup, refocus on their movement pattern and then actually you know go out and hit it. And he ended up going five in a row, got second. Uh, another kid that everybody was like, who the heck is this kid? Where'd you get him from? And I think that's down the, the street. They're all local. Well, that's the funny part is it's like, dude, you know where we get them from. They're all f from the gym. Like, yeah, we're not poaching people. We're not hitting them up on Instagram. We're not we're not getting them to come lift for us. We're just developing them. And I, th I think that's another aspect is like, you know, I think we you know, and I, and I would love for people to come move here if they want to come train with us. But it's like I want people who want to come into the system and come train in the system because they they it creates a much more productive culture than if we were sniping them from other coaches and and bringing them in and then they don't know you know you don't know how committed they are to yeah, what they're it's doing. on the athlete to come on yeah you yeah know, you want to come live in farm country like come, yeah come train with us <laughs> you know you could travel down philly for a social life maybe like yeah, but that'd be about it yeah lehigh valley a little bit but yeah or new york all right well sounds yeah. successful i guess we can actually start talking about what we scheduled this podcast to be about what, what was it um i believe it has to do with uh speed training oh shit like never before seen type of speed training stuff. i just saw a lot of speed training when i was in eugene oh i i, I would assume so <clears throat> i put the difference between good great and elite is speed yeah i agree I, and i even think one thing I, you know bringing that going off of track going off of weightlifting I don't. I think that's across all sports too. Oh yeah, I like, meant it that way yeah. too. And like speed demonstrated in different ways. So yeah. You want you want a little imagine here? You want to think about some imagination? Yeah. yeah. 
Imagination. I forget what that means from or whatever. Um, wanting to be f- SpongeBob. Yeah, that's it. Jason's right. Where's your mic at yeah, today, anyway, Jason? Jason? All right. <laughs> <laughs> wanting to be faster, quicker, more elusive. Like, imagine that. Y'all have thought about it. Um, quicker bat speed, faster 40. Top end speed that clocks in over 20 miles per hour. You just hour. said quicker bat speed, and Jason just thought, Dane, you still haven't filmed the bat speed video for peak <laughs> strength. He literally just thought that when you mentioned bat speed. Good. <laughs> That's why Jason is like your right-hand person. <laughs> Coming out of a cut like an Iverson crossover, speed is what separates the great from the good and the elite from the great. So let's talk about a speed workout that can assist in manifesting the fastest version of athletes out there. Um, so you already agreed. You need speed to excel at sports. Like if you're not fast in whatever capacity the sport needs it, like you're going to struggle. Like I would say even a sport like, um, what should I call it? Billiards. Yeah. Like the speed you can, you can strike make contact. Like precision is probably more important, but precision with speed, probably ends up greater yeah yeah. and i even i would even say that speed plays a role in precision because if you need to hit a little bit harder on a certain angle like to get a to get a harder cut like out of that contact all right dane i want to start i want you to define speed i would say the rate in which you can move an object or yourself from point a to usually point b like but, a velocity type of thing. Yeah, but there could be various. There could be extra points, and I think it's like I mean, and it could be yourself. It could be an object. It could be just a limb, but the rate in which you are capable of accelerating that object, body part, or body over a specified distance. So it's like I mean, that's that's how I would try to define it. I think it's. It's an elusive definition where it's like, you know, you watch somebody throw a discus and you know that, yeah, I mean, Sam's a good example. Sam's usually the shortest guy in the field. He's got short arms, but he makes up for it because he's got technique that enables him to be fast. And if you're even watching something like, you know, and if you compare that repetitive movement pattern of a discus thrower to a tennis player, a tennis player has to have a fast arm. They also have to have, you know, they also have to be very agile side to side. They also have to move very fast forward and backwards. So it's like the speed definition to try and encompass the discus thrower, the football player, the tennis player. I think that's. that's yeah, you how, need more than one yeah. idea around speed. <clears throat> right. Because it's not all locomotion. right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not all. I guess almost all speed involves acceleration, though. Yeah, yeah, it would. I couldn't imagine one that it doesn't. Yeah. Like, that's always there, whether yeah. it's accelerating like an object, like you said, like a bat or a racket yeah. to then make contact with a ball mm-hmm. and go, boo, home run. Yeah, and I think that that's the, the, the big factor is that the more consistent you become with controlling the speed, the, the, the faster you can actually get. And I think that's a big factor that a lot of people miss is like, the more dialed in your technique becomes, the faster you will be. Yes. So there's like this precision yeah. within like going fast. Real quick aside, I went and saw the movie The Flash. Who's and, fast. Yeah, who's real fast. And the way they have the character run to me is like so comical. 
because it's like in no like non-fantasy world would that be how a fast person would run <laughs> it's almost like it's almost like what was that he's like ice where, skating or something where the, uh, like uh road road runner. runner yeah that's what i was just yeah. envisioning but you're saying he moves side it, to side. it looks almost like he's skating okay. the way it's done but he like throws his arms like out like this yeah it, it's 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 like over the top, and it's just like, all right, you're watching a comic book movie, like chill, dude. What's like, his mechanism for running fast? Would be the question, though. He uses the speed force. Okay, I'd yeah. have to watch. We're not, more. we're not going into this nerd out, and yeah. we probably, if we went into it, and the right type of like flash aficionados got in it, they'd roast us anyway. So <laughs> we're not doing it. Um, first, next thing I want to talk about with speed, especially around training, let's talk about velocity decrement. Ooh. Yeah. We just came out with that video yesterday. Oh, or two days ago. Nice. Good. Yesterday, I think. Well, this was planned for a while, so we're, we're good here. We're, we're probably in sync. Well, and it wasn't just a video on decrement, but it had decrement in it. Okay. Yeah. No, because it's good stuff. Yeah. I also made a plea for you in one of the more recent scripts. I hope you get to read it. About, Which one? Oh, the, the. I want you to start experimenting with velocity decrement in more abstract ways. Okay. Besides just running. Almost well, like a vertical jumps or I'm even thinking like when you talk about speed for other sports, how can you slow it down? I do a lot of that with throwing. Like how could you slow down like how could you put a velocity decrement on a single leg takedown to increase the speed of the takedown? A band. Right? Yeah. Like things like that. Mm -hmm. But a band feels too imprecise sometimes for the way I'm thinking about it, even though it accomplishes it. Like, does it get you at like that? that 20% that or whatever yeah, it is 10% decrease in, in yeah. rate. Yeah. I think my first reaction was like looking at, if you watch a thrower throw an overweight implement, it immediately slows down their, their movement pattern. And a lot of coaches don't like doing heavy implements. I love it. And they'll say, Oh, well, you're getting stronger. You do get you do gain strength from throwing heavy implements, but the best thing that it does is it fixes it, it makes it easier to execute better technique because it slows it down so it you can make corrections faster. And I think that that's one of the aspects around okay the decrement with the sled. Got it. Do you want to explain velocity decrement real quick? So, too? I would say the main paper there's like three of them, but the main one was from a New Zealand group, and essentially what they did is they took. Um, it was like 20 athletes or something like along these lines. And they basically measured like a 30 meter sprint. And so they, they measured the 30 meter sprint. And then uh, based off of that 30 meter sprint, they would load a sled and then they would say they would time them. And then they would see in an acute setting, like, okay, let's run five sprints with a 30% decrease. Okay. So a 30, so for simple math, they run 10 seconds. If there's a 30% decrease, it, it takes them 13 seconds, essentially, to run mm -hmm. that, that same distance. Now, the other group, I think it was 55%, so it was 15 and a half seconds. And then they, then they took the exact same rest periods, and they did this multiple days. They took the exact same rest period, and then they would go run you know, a cluster, like four or five sprints, unweighted again. And every single time you know, statistically significant improvement in an acute setting uh, with the 30% um, sled work versus the 55%. The 
so the the big thing that I think is that one you have to recognize it's in that training session that they're yeah, that's the acute of it, right? Yeah. Like, so now chronic improvement might be you want the acute response and then you get more volume after you do the sled work to try and get a long-term improvement there might you know there needs to be more research on what if you train once a week with a 55 percent decrement and then twice that a have week. a better yeah. chronic response yeah, right right less acute response now there they have done other research too where they'll say take 10 percent of your body weight and put that on the sled because that tends to be very close to what the 30% decrease is going to be. Um, now there, there's also other arguments that, uh, that 30% decrease is usually optimal for technical gains in mechanics uh, of sprinting. So that's like another argument that the, the 50, that's similar to what you were saying about with the heavier implement in the yeah, shot. Yeah. It slows yeah. you down. So you, you can make better technique improvements. Right. Yeah. And I think that, Ironically, there's there's a couple other papers now where they're looking at that 30, basically like the 30 meters, like a pretty standard testing protocol, 20 to 30 meters. And they'll look at like, okay, what about if we train back squat to a certain point and then use the back squat as a gauge for if that improves their 30. Um, even calf training, whoever has the heaviest one rep max for a traditional calf raise whoa i would love to see that competition will will so they they measured the calf raise um with a one rep max and it was whoever had a a better improvement in the absolute increase so like let's say total total tonnage is it like down and up or just from ground up up the heel had to get like to plantar flexion okay and below and like full range on like a on the with the on your shoulders like a classic old school calf raise. So the the groups it's making me think of like a yoke carry, the type of weight that's probably used. Probably, on I mean, that. it's probably like five <laughs> or six hundred pounds. And they saw the interesting part here. They saw was uh, an increase in absolute. So let's say four hundred pounds to five hundred pounds. If you have this absolute gain, no matter what your body weight was, you ran faster. And if you have even, then they also looked at if there was a relative gain, meaning relative to your body weight, you also ran drastically faster. So all I'm hearing is if my calves are stronger based off like a one RM of a calf raise. You'll run faster. I'll run faster. To a point, yes. Yeah. Now, as long as you're doing all the right training stuff, how I would tie that into like the I decrement. I just love that. <laughs> I, I would tie it into the decrement of like the and, – and this is what I have – you know, Noah Lyles has, has started a, a YouTube channel and he's like the best 200 meter, arguably one of the best. I mean, he is the reigning world champion, um, just qualified in the hundred and the 200 now for worlds this year. And he's, he actually has a, and, and his coach is Ralph Mann who wrote biomechanics of sprinting. Yeah. And they actually just recently did a video where they were breaking down his technique and his drive phase. And they were noticing like, uh, wait, this is, I read that book, right? Yeah, yeah. And this is the guy who said he hates like social media. Yeah, but but now, he's coming around, I yeah, guess. Huh? Well, it's also like I think <laughs> he's seeing more and more. Um, there's more financial gain, and there's also more um, legitimacy coming into the. It, yeah, the, the like. 
the information being he's presented now. Everybody else is doing it. Like, yeah. like the best researchers in the world are doing it. If anyone goes and reads the book, it literally opens like With one that. of the first things is it's like trashing social media. Social media. So he breaks down Lyle's. Uh, well, good no, for him. I'm glad he's he's grown up. He has grown. Yeah. Even though he's like 75 now, so it, he's well, already been grown up. But he's a learner. That's yeah. all it means. Yeah. And and he actually breaks down. Well, he he was losing some energy. Due to his ankle stiffness, uh, on like his fourth, fifth, sixth stride, I can't remember the exact point, but it's it's in a recent video that he did, and and they show his heel dropping as he comes out of the low heel recovery, and he's starting to accelerate. And so, I was watching that, thinking like, okay, there's there's probably some issue with ankle stiffness. Maybe he could do isometric work in in those positions. He could do like a hinge lunge where he's holding that isometric position he could do even freaking traditional based off that research he could probably even hit like he probably never hits like classic calf raises uh which i know sounds crazy but and a lot of people hate it but that research might be beneficial in that specific scenario and then even looking at it like i don't know i probably would not use the sled because he's so close to you know he just peaked and he has world championships coming up but like Sled work could be another thing that you could use. And so I think I, I think you've got to look at when we're talking about the speed work, what's happening. And fortunately, we've got iPhones or, or Androids. If you're privileged enough to have that, you have yeah. direct access to pretty high, you know, 240 frames per second now on the new iPhones. And you can see it's these things. Legit computer you got yeah. going on there. And you can see, you know, positions breaking down. And then you can take this research that everybody who has access to a public library you can go on PubMed and find this stuff very easily. And I think it's it's interesting to take that. Giving away your secrets, Dane. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> take that information and then try to think where you would interject it in your system of training. Yeah, no. That's awesome, though. Like, here's this sort of, I don't want to say neglected muscle, but no one thinks like to, I shouldn't say no one. But like, hey, direct training of your calf muscle will make you faster. I, I think. And then. To your point, sort of these creative ways around like sports specific, like, hey, I want this like isometric position because this is where we want to get how to train it. And just from looking at like a video of someone sprinting and you're like, hey, this is what I would do in the gym to combat that. Yeah. And I, I think my argument on why people have sort of avoided it is that I think the the sports performance world, strength and conditioning coaches are so up not all of them, but a lot of them are opposed to traditional bodybuilding exercises because it's like old school. And so we get caught in and, and partially could be the flashiness of social media. We get caught up in the new crazy exercises and they're phenomenal. There's a lot of really good influencers that do really cool movement patterns that are wild, like reflexive stuff. That's, that's impressive. But then we forget about the old, you know, what if we just use a fork and a knife? We can still use that and it's yeah. they're still great tools. And so I think we we sort of avoid or we we forget. And I, I partially also would even argue like this is going way down this rabbit hole. Is like Charles Poliquin was somebody who would still use new things and old things. And I think that with his passing, him passing away, there's sort of been a void. And so we forget these. Someone digging in, yeah, the, and like hey, digging in the crates for all the old greats hey, type of thing. We like, know that elite soccer players that are literally world class in the age of twenty two to twenty six will run faster if their back squat improves. Just just have them back squat more. 
You know, yeah. we know that based off of the literature, if we increase a, a calf raise, they're probably going to run faster. We also know, you know, this goes into some of the stuff from Roger Inoka, uh, the neuromechanics of, of movement. Um, Fame's pointing movement. at a book. If yeah. He, he is the god on discussing rate coding, and we also know that rate coding— I can't wait to talk to you about rate coding well, after this. <laughs> we need to talk about it because it's going to be a hard one, but, but it's over to, the, to your right, Jason, um, the blue one. No, I, I don't think it's going to be okay, hard. Okay, well, hang on. <laughs> we also know that the calf, the soleus, and the, uh, anterior tibi the tibialis anterior— um, we also know that, yeah, that's so you that talking, I'll just now there's like six editions. I want to say, so that's an older one, but like he has a, he has a really good analysis from like 2018 where he talks about rate coding. And we also know that even in the calf that, so essentially I'll try and make this as fast as possible is that there's rate of force development or there's, there's motor unit recruitment, but motor unit recruitment is really, uh, like a byproduct of rate coding. And if you can rate code faster, you recruit more motor units. So this is, so I started- In the calf, where I'm going is calf, the calf can recruit very rapidly. So it's like awesome at rate coding. So yes. this is how I think of rate coding. To Have you ever played a video game and like you hit a button and it like, like, and you have like a pistol and it's like, and but one shot won't like kill the guy? Yeah, yeah. So you gotta like, like Mike Tyson's knockout. Like yeah, so you gotta like hit him like three times. Boop, boop, boop. Yeah, that's rate coding to me when you start button mashing. Yes, yeah. So the 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 fiber then or yeah. the the motor unit has to Get keep quicker. going. It yeah. has to keep firing. So yeah. you're just clicking away. So if you ever just click once on a mouse, like the threshold, the units, like it's done. It's not enough. Right. But if you keep clicking, and it goes faster. So and, and it, that's and, how I think of rate coding. And I want to say, I don't remember the exact term, but I want to say it's, it might be like unpulsified or something. There becomes a point where if you're doing it enough, so I'm thinking about like a pogo jump, like boop, 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 yeah. like that. Jumping rope. Yeah. You're, yeah. That's a good example. To a point, you know, within like 25, 30 seconds, I'm almost positive it, it's called like this unpulsified uh, range where like it just happens without the effort and the effort. There's no signal. It just becomes it, like complete. It's, it's doing it autonomy. Itself. Yeah, exactly. And so that's like one of the, and because the calf muscle, um, the calf in general has its biarticulate, meaning it has support of the knee and it has support of the ankle. Like joint. the hamstring. Yeah, exactly. It, it plays a very major role in speed production. And if you can have productive, uh training through rate coding and it might even be the other thing is is that rate coding what they're seeing what they what anoka's research has shown is like absolute strength training really has a positive impact on rate coding now so does plyometric work so it's like figuring out how do we take the science of all this and come around think through think through the the video game example that you just provided yeah. Button and then mashing. provide that in in a system of, of training. So I'm so glad you say plyometrics because that's what I wanted to talk about next with speed training. But before we do that, I wanted to talk about um, when you said fork and knife. Yeah. I use a knife to eat donuts. I I do too. You can cut them up and you just and you stick, stick it, it and then you can, yeah and then you don't get all gooey on yeah. your hands. <laughs> yeah, that's funny you said that. <laughs> 
uh it's dude it's funny you said that I, this has this has, has nothing to do with this but my favorite coffee shop just closed and that that's where i would eat donuts from there with, with a knife, knife. Yeah. yeah and they just closed when i was out in freaking eugene yeah that stinks dude it sucks it's like that's where i would take my kids every every tuesday to go get coffee and donuts yes they just closed on Sunday. Man, they made huge donuts. Huge. I remember, I remember they came here once. I ate two of them. I felt so guilty. But yeah. It was so good. It was amazing. Yeah. Donuts Sorry. are great. That's All right, cool. let's talk about plyometrics. All right. Not knife, knife and donuts. <laughs> Jason either said he wants a donut or he's sad that they're closing. Very <laughs> sad. I feel like both right now. Sad they closed and I want a donut. The owner got another. He got his own job, and I think he had just said, he's like, dude, like, we're doing well. We can pay the bills, but he wants to raise a family, and he's like, I, I can't do both. Yeah. So if anyone, no one out here is going to care about the bench warmers commentary. All right. So talk to me about plyometrics, maybe around athlete day or how it fits in programming in general, and then don't be scared to touch on reflexive strength and how it works within athlete day or in tandem with plyometrics or maybe more to the point, absolute strength movements because you're bringing that up around rate coding, and I know the gu- – the GS contrast methods mm-hmm. involve absolute strength and reflexive training. So, yeah, I think that, I mean, one, I like to think about athlete days doing movements that would be very specific towards the sport that you're in. So it's like trying to figure out joint angles and speeds and, and then having progressions over, you know, four to five blocks. So you'd start in the exposure phase and, and you progress towards very specific areas that you need to improve in your sport by doing plyometrics and plyometric series to improve your, your ability to, to fire at a higher rate. So it's like, I think that's one of the big benefits of athlete days. You're taking the absolute strength gains and then you're directly applying it through high speed movement. Um, and, and that in turn can help you later on with your high threshold motor unit recruitment when you're doing an absolute strength exercise. Now, the other thing is, is like the impulse day uh, on like a day four of training could be where in exposure phase or in the comprehension phase, you would be using like the garage strength contrast method where you might do an absolute strength movement, which we know has a positive impact on rate coding. And then you do a specific reflexive exercise to your sport. Let's say it's like the Euro step or if you're a basketball player or if it's, you know, in the case of Noah Lyles, I was thinking he a benefit that he could do would be he stands with his front foot on a PVC pipe, and let's say he has like a band or or dumbbells, and his front foot's on the PVC pipe and his heel's unsupported, and he steps over and comes back, and he's got to keep the bridge of his foot on that PVC pipe so that it's like this hinge, and because he's on the pipe, now he has to apply more force from that foot. So it's a reflexive exercise. Maybe he would pair that with like a, a single leg squat. So now you're taking That's intense. Yeah, and you're and because it's very specific to his. How problem, often would you do the like GS contrast method? I would probably stick to once a week. Once a week, yeah. And you impulse day is the day then. Yeah. Now I will say this: one of the things I've been thinking about too with training is like some of my throwers, some of my shot putters. I'm like. When would you, I'm sorry to disrupt you, but when would you cut it out then? Would you keep it all through Ascension and Summit, or would it leave? I would leave two weeks before peak. Okay. And I would make sure the intensity for the last, like, four to six weeks is a little bit lower. I think, too, though, like, one of the things is that 
you know, with plyometrics, some of the stuff that Inoka talks about is like there's rate coding can be enhanced pretty drastically through isometric actions. He also will will talk about, you know, like if you're a distance runner or something like that, over a very long if your physical activity is having a negative impact or is having an impact on your 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 stasis, your homeostasis, that can have an impact on rate coding. And one of the things I've been thinking about is maybe so was, like you don't sleep as well because of yeah, all your yeah, training. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that has an impact. Or you're sleeping way longer because of training yeah, or something like yeah, that. Yeah. So one thing I've been thinking about with throwers more so specific to my shot putters is like do they need more twitchiness more regularly like two to three days a week of like 20 minutes of of like an athlete athlete primer um and i don't know the answer to that i've just been i've just been thinking about it so are you hypothesizing like starting days with um plyometric movements before going into like the technical coordination is yeah. that like kind of the sort of I don't know if that's exact, but just... I don't know either. <laughs> yeah, it's in the brainstorming stage. Yeah. Like you, all I heard was they need more twitchiness. Yeah. How do I get them twitching more? I'm making errors in their training, and I don't know where they are. And I'm trying to theorize based off of what we're talking about and, and what I've been thinking about for the last, like, six months. Where gotcha. Am I, where am I screwing up? How do I improve? Yeah where can I turn my failure into a success? Yeah. And it's like, it goes back to, I mean, here's the other thing, dude, the fastest guys in the world and the fastest women in the world also tend to be the strongest. Like if we look at, look at Nick Chubb in the NFL, he's top three fastest running backs in the league. He's the strongest. Saquon Barkley. He's the strongest. One of the strongest, you know, you look at, uh, Throwers, Joe Kovacs, strongest in the world, probably like second or third fastest. Ryan Krauser, one of the absolute strongest guys on the planet, the fastest. And it's like you look at the women, Val Allman, she's extraordinarily fast as a discus thrower. Dude, she power cleans 135. It's like all of the absolute stuff lines up. And then I think you've got to use the plyometrics and the reflexive stuff to get the sub-elite genetic individual to catch the elite genetic individual. You know, so somebody like Yaime doesn't need as much reflexive work as someone who is not as gifted genetically as Yaime. I'm anti-genetics. I think they're a crock. I think they are to a point. I really do. There's too many. And I'll, I'll make this argument till the day I die. I'm saying genetics in the sense that... Are you talking like epigenetics? I'm, like I'm how saying, you can get it to like represent itself in the world? Yeah, I'm saying that's where I... Okay, so somebody... I don't think genetics play as big of a role generationally, like person to person, like my parents to me, me to my children. But I believe that... You know, Joe's a good example. Like his mom was an athlete, but, you know, varsity basketball player. Yeah. No, no genetic testing would have shown that he would become the strongest human being on the planet. Zero. No one would have ever predicted that. Yeah. So my argument would not, would be more so like genetically, he has expressed what he has. Yeah, that's like epigenetics. Yeah, yeah. That's where I would say. I'm a firm believer genetics is a history story. Yeah. Where like work ethic and mindset is more like a reality of how that ends up becoming that like retelling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like 
I always say like, if that's the case, then why aren't brothers like, why isn't the brother of that elite athlete elite as well? Right. Cause they didn't work at it. They right. didn't put the time in to get there. They didn't have the mindset to want to be yeah, there. And there, there might, that's another thing. There might like, be like a, a sort of leak mentally from, you yeah. know, and people will say that about Krauser cause he's got two, he has two cousins that, that have done well in the sport, but it's also like, is it the, the genetics of Krauser or is it the fact that they were all throwing when they were 10 yeah. you know it's, it's more and likely that the guy works his tail off yeah <laughs> like yeah, that's it all right he i, I bet just because he's there i bet he works harder than probably everyone else below him or just as hard yeah like the, yeah yeah i agree with that that's where i would go for sure yeah this uh, that's all i just had to say that you good you ready for an over under yeah or either or yeah yeah Overrated, underrated? <laughs> Over, under. That would be another good one. Over, under. All right. Overrated, underrated. Overhead squats. Overrated. Overrated? Yeah. 100% overrated. The only thing is, I'll say this. They can improve some people's pattern of the catch and the snatch. And they're a fun test for, for CrossFit. But I think as far as... And they're, they're, they are good for mobility, for warming up. But I think as far as like strictly sports performance, the load's usually not going to be as high. And, and it's not going to transfer as well to the snatch. I think the snatch balance transfers better. I think doing high hang snatches actually transfers better. So I think that overhead squats are overrated. All right. Don't hate me, crossfitters. Yeah. <laughs> um, overrated, underrated. Parachute runs. Overrated. There's too much variable based off of what the wind – conditions of that specific area i know that they would do and also uh the cloth that you're using the size of the cloth or the size of the actual parachute um i know in like the the 80s they did quite a bit of testing around that and people still use it uh, but i i would say even though the costs are exorbitant like a 1080 motion uh run rockets those are much better because there's like more precise cable pulling on that, and I would even argue uh, hill sprints and sleds. So I, I think, like this sounds bad, but parachute training to me now is like a fancy social media like grab. Like I'll do parachute training, and then we'll post it, and it'll look cool. It's neat. It's probably fun and enjoyable. But in all reality, there's other ways to skin the cat. Yeah, it has like this dynamic thing. Like someone should just do like this real niche type of channel where it's all parachute running, but it's always a different parachute that yeah, opens up and yeah. it'd be more like an art project. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't know. That'd be neat. Um, overrated, underrated depth drops. Hmm. He's thinking, he's thinking hard here. I, I mean, I, I think this is one of the ones that I don't think enough people do them. So I would make it underrated, Ooh. but I will say this. I want depth drops into a reaction, not just a drop. I think depth drops, like just a drop, are are a great tool for younger athletes. But I think the the recover the the turnaround, it's short lived. I think people can learn that skill pretty quickly. I also think the risk reward. We talked about this on a recent podcast with that dude who's dropping from like twenty feet. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it scares me. It's and I'm not saying like he should. It was like do twice it. his height. Yeah, like it. yeah. And it's like he did it. It works. Is it Super necessary? Impressive. Yeah, it's impressive for one hundred percent impressive. Is it necessary? 
No. Every time someone does like a real high depth drop, I think a young Earl jumping off a swing. Yeah. And my chin coming right on my knee. Yeah, my teeth like, going right yeah. through my teeth. Like I was like, how did I lose my tongue when that, that happened? That happens a lot on with the kids on the trampolines too. Yeah. And you can see that's where like they, they develop trunk control on a trampoline. That's what trampolines are so phenomenal for is like your your awareness when you're doing that. And that's honestly a much uh, drastically lower risk is doing trampoline work. All right, Dane, I'm going to put you in a position here Ooh. of the either or. Plyometrics or reflexive movements? Plyometrics. Oh, wow. You didn't even yeah. hesitate. Yeah, plyometrics. <laughs> uh, and, and part of that is like uh, you can do so much plyometric work without any equipment. And I think that that's like one of the best aspects around plyometric training is that like I'll have DMs from people in other countries that they'll just say like, yo, I just I take two of your plyometric days and then I go to the gym on one other day and they you can see so much of, a, of an improvement. Reflexive works great if you've got bands, if you've got dumbbells, if you've got kettlebells, if you've got uh, hydro weight, if you've got any of those sandbags, whatever, you can do a lot of cool stuff, plates. But plyometric work is so easily accessible to everyone. You know, it. I think it takes the. Yeah, cake. that's probably a reason why plyometrics are so not like glorious, if you will. Like everyone knows they work well, but at the same time, like you can put people out of business. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, just go jump somewhere. Like, yeah. Go to go to a local playground. Yeah. Oh, you're traveling. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Jump, like, all right. Go in the hotels. Go in the hotel steps. Yeah, you're good to go. That's all you need. Um, you want to talk about some DTC stuff? With we can with speed, we can. Or do you want to? I almost want to save that for an entire other podcast. All right. Yeah, I got you. I think the other thing with this is like in, in inside of Peak Strength, and of course, this podcast is brought to you by Peak Strength. Head over to PeakStrength.app, the Google Play Store, the Apple iOS Store, and you can download Peak Strength for seven free days of training five free workouts and we just added in athletic fitness but in this discussion it's like everything that we talked about the the rate coding around absolute strength movements you know we know based off of garage strength program design that we're using that in our programming we know based off of rate coding for plyometrics uh, that's specific in there we also know that hypertrophy work and specific to you know to to bodybuilding we use all of these principles inside of peak strength and i think that that's that's other things that we have to consider is like now that's easily accessible to anyone who wants freak training inside their pocket. So nice. We, we still have to do uh, audience questions. Okay, let's go. Discord, Keist. Heard in podcast, American kids were much less active and in physical tests, they had to take out exercises like push-ups and jumping. Is that something you also have noticed over the years? No. Yeah. I, 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 don't, I do. That type of kid doesn't come in. Yeah, yeah, that's like, the I, thing. I don't I, mean like that tight. Just yeah. like I just have to say, like I have, I'm, I'm not pulling from the general population. I can't comment on that. Yeah. I mean, we we have general population people, but like I don't, I have kids. Yeah, you know, we. I can't comment on that because I don't know. Yeah, I think it's like almost a curse of being in the fitness and health and like physical realm. Everyone you know is kind of like can do that stuff yeah and even like the, like i was just thinking when when some of the schools bring out like 10 or 15 kids yeah they might be a little overweight but they still move well and like do i notice if 
if those kids were fatter than when I was growing up? Like, no. Huh. Like, yeah. I, dude, we had a lot of fat kids. I, I was one of them. So it's like, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know. It's like, I, I, I think that I, I there might be some research on that. I would have to look. This isn't children, but I told you about how I was talking to a coworker about like cleaning 300 pounds. Yeah. And you're like, that's not a lot of weight. I go, I know it's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like if. If we say that to anyone outside of this world, they're like, whoa, whoa. like it's, and it's just away. like, yeah, but I know it, like the eight people that I just talked to today who do way more than that. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and it's it, still a cool thing. Yeah. And it's like, I guess, yeah, as far as that kid question, I, I think it's like, uh, who cares? They're eight. <laughs> yeah. That's probably the best <laughs> way to do it. You know, I also am like. No, I, I know my kids are in a different scenario, but like, dude, they swim, yeah. they play soccer, they they go ice skating, you know, they lift, they throw, they play they play football, like they play baseball with my dad at his house, pickleball. Like kids are active all the time. Yeah. My son does a, a real crappy push up, yeah, but like can do it now, and it, but it's it's not that good yet. Like it's not where like hey. But he can do a 24-inch box jump Yeah, at, at eight. And I'm like, all right. Well, that's the other thing. is like, <laughs> who's who's responsible here? The kids or the, the, the phys adult. ed teachers yeah. or the adults? Like, at what point do we do we stop blaming kids? And having seen a lot of the education system in America. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> like uh, how accountable are you to a curriculum, if you will, from like a physical health standpoint? as a phys ed teacher versus like, Hey, let's go play kickball today. Versus right. like, Hey, I'm going to teach like actual like squatting mechanics or like, what is that curriculum and what is that expectation? Yep. I would say it's more like, Hey, let the kids go have fun, more recess, a little bit more organized and like, Hey, we'll play team games versus, Hey, I'm going to teach. Everyone's going to know how to jump rope in 40 days. Yeah. 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 You know, like Very, things like that. Like yeah. it's, it's, I would say there's a lack of structure Yes. What is expected of a phys ed teacher to like have their ki the kids doing? Yeah, I agree with that. And that my both my parents are were former phys ed teachers. Yeah, and they would say the same thing all the time. Well, that teacher just throws a ball out, doesn't yeah. actually educate them. Uh, we got one more from Discord, Charlie underscore W. Got a question which could be a video idea. Is the quad test a good way to monitor progress in throwing? So overhead shot, oh, standing long, Max Jones, three yeah. jumps, and 30-meter no. sprint. <laughs> what would the ideal targets for throwers that want to be competitive? I, I think it's a good baseline to see. You know, So it's a 30-meter sprint, a broad jump. I think it's a double-leg, triple jump, and a back overhead. Dude, the big thing with that is like some throwers are really bad at back overheads, and some throwers are, are phenomenal. Um depends you know sam mattis can't do a back overhead to save his life because his arms are so short but yeah may can send it back overhead to the roof like it it's like i think it's a fine test that you can use as like a baseline and see if you're making improvements but i wouldn't hang everything on it like one of our best max it used to be called the max jones uh one of our best guys in the max jones was like our worst thrower but I think he probably would have been a good football player. So it's like, I think it, it can actually correlate more to yeah, that. that. That seems like an argument about around genetics there too. Like yeah. someone like Sam, whose arms are short, he's short, but somehow he beat everyone in America this year. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, yep, for sure. All right. Head over to peak app, the Google play store, the Apple iOS store until next time to download peak strength. Don't forget until next time.
Peace. Later.